All right, so we are making our way through Unit 10 of Parables of Jesus. And Unit 10 is Endurance and Reward. We are looking at parables in the book of Luke from chapter 18 to chapter 22. And these parables are end times parables about what it will be like in the end times before Jesus returns, and then what the day of judgment will be like. Uh, Some of these parables we have covered in prior units, but I'm going to show you how they fit into the Luke context so that you can get an understanding of how the pieces fit together. So picking up in the context that we're already in, we looked in the last class at the parable of the persistent widow. But the parable of the persistent widow was Jesus responding to Pharisees who had asked him what the signs of the end of the age were going to be. Now, in Unit 9, we talked about Jesus' response to when his disciples asked him what the end of the age was going to be. But now he's responding to Pharisees. So he's speaking a little bit differently, even though it's the same events, but he's communicating differently because of the audience that he's communicating to. And so Jesus gave the parable of the persistent widow saying, will the Son of Man find faith on earth or will everyone have fallen away? Will you still be standing in faith all the way through, enduring through the persecution that is yet to come upon the face of the whole world and the saints of God that will eventually be handed the kingdom of God? But will you stand in faith, believing until that day comes? This is part of the response of Jesus to Pharisees who are asking what it's going to be like at the end of the age. Well, again, we've learned this from some of the prior units. Some of these parables are told back to back with no break, and Jesus is still answering the same question. Well, this is another one of those examples. There is no break between the parable of the persistent widow and the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus is still answering. He told them the signs of the times. It will be like the days of Noah. It will be like the days of Lot. Then he tells the parable of the persistent widow, and now he's telling the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. This is one answer that Jesus is giving. He has not stopped talking. He's still plowing through giving his response. So let's pick up at Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
All right. So clearly, the Pharisee had a superiority complex. He thought that he had it going on, that he was God's favorite because of all these great things that he did. He was better than other people. He was not like other men. And I've covered in this class a couple of times mentioning that part of the Jewish prayer in that time, they might still pray it today, I'm not exactly sure, but they would say, thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile. Thank you, God, that I am not a slave. Thank you, God, that I am not a woman. That was part of the daily prayer of Jewish men at that time. And so for the Pharisee to stand there and say, thank you that I am not like other people. I'm so much better than all these other people. Well, that is just kind of feeding into his ego of how great he is. So the Pharisee's standing there saying, I'm not an extortioner. I don't extort money from anyone else. I'm not unjust. I am perfectly just in all of my ways. I don't commit adultery. I tithe all of what I earn. I pay my tithe on that, so I'm not robbing God. And I fast twice a week. I mean, if that's not self-denial, if that's not making me pleasing in God's sight, I don't know what is. I got it going on. I got God right where I want him. See, he exalted himself through outward appearances and also by comparing himself with other people. So really, if you're going to play the comparison game, all you have to do is find someone that's not as far along as you and compare yourself to them. And then you get to feel really good about yourself. But really, that's not the way that we're supposed to be living. The comparison is comparing ourselves to Jesus. He is the perfect one. He is the plumb line. Are you Jesus yet? Nope. Okay, so you're not that great. Okay, so you've got some room to grow and become more like Jesus. But if you are comparing yourself to someone who is not as far along as you, then you're defeated even before you begin. It's just your ego that you're feeding into and boasting that you're better than someone else. And you're just making yourself feel good about yourself by looking down on someone else. Well, that's what the Pharisee was doing. The tax collector, on the other hand, he humbled himself. He could not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but instead he asked God for mercy. He acknowledged that he was a sinner in need of a savior. He knew his need for God. He knew that he needed God's help. And so that man, the one who was crying out to God for help, He's the one who went home righteous in God's sight, justified in God's sight, rather than the Pharisee. So the comparison for our culture would be, imagine, because Pharisee and tax collector, these characters don't exactly exist in our culture today, but picture the most pious, religious, godly pastor you could ever imagine, the pastor of the best church in town, compared to the most despicable drug dealer in the city block. And so that's what we've got here. That's what's being presented. Now, if that pastor is thinking about how great and godly he is in his own sight, then he will not go home justified before God. But if that drug dealer, if that drug dealer is crying out to God saying, yes, I know I am a sinner and I need mercy, then that drug dealer is the one who is righteous 
in God's sight, not the pious pastor who externally seems like they've got it all going on. So what's the point of this parable? Jesus says he gives the zinger at the end. The indication is he says, I tell you, and then also for, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So let's put this in the context of Jesus answering Pharisees and then going into before telling this parable, he told the parable of the persistent widow. Well, what did we learn in the last class about the persistent widow? The persistent widow was knocking at the judge's door, constantly putting herself before the judge to receive justice. She wanted to receive justice. And so, yes, we want to stand in faith for the righteousness of God, that God will be just, that God will vindicate all wrongs that have been done against us. And there are many more wrongs that are going to come against believers in the times that are yet to come. And that's what we talked about in the last class. But he wants people crying out for justice, but not in self-righteousness. Not in self-righteousness, but as a cry for mercy, because no one deserves the mercy of God. No one deserves eternal life. No one deserves to go into the presence of God and eat at the messianic banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and enter into the world to come to enjoy all eternity with God forever. No one deserves that. And so if you're trying to be the persistent widow who is persisting because of your own merits, like the Pharisee was, well, I I deserve justice because I fast twice a week. I deserve justice because I'm so good. I deserve justice because I'm better than other people. Nope, that's not how you stand in faith for the Messiah to come, for Jesus to return. That is not the way to stand in faith. God is looking for, yes, perseverance, endurance in the faith like the persistent widow, but not with self-righteousness, but with the humility of the tax collector. Because friends, you and I are no better in the sight of God than that drug dealer that I described All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve the judgment of God. All of us deserve the wrath of God. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ and his atoning blood on our behalf that we are able to have access to God and be qualified to enter into the world to come and enjoy his presence forever. So the Pharisee in this parable, he presumed that he was safe because of his outward obedience and the appearance of his religiosity. But instead, on the inside, we talked about this in prior parables, the outside of the cup was clean, but on the inside, they were self-willed, they were arrogant, they were selfishly ambitious, they were worldly, their priorities were on the things of this world and not the things of God. Well, the thing is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. No faith is required if your own righteousness is sufficient. But if your own righteousness is not sufficient, which, by the way, as I said, none of ours is, then you need God's mercy. So God was looking for a heart of faith. It takes faith to ask God to be merciful when you don't deserve it. 
The tax collector knew his place, as all of us should, before God, in genuine self-abasement, not false humility. Oh, I'm so sick of false humility and people pretending to be humble when really they're just as arrogant and selfishly ambitious as the Pharisees are. Genuine self-abasement before God. Genuine contrition for sin. Genuine humility. Saying, God, I am a sinner. I deserve your wrath, but please have mercy on me. And I'm reminded of the parable of the unmerciful servant, the one who was forgiven the 20 years worth of labor debt. He was asking, please have mercy on me. There's no way that I could ever pay it. Please have mercy on me. That's what the tax collector was doing. And that's what all of us need to be doing. All of us need the mercy of God. None of us is righteous in the sight of God. And even if you have theology that has trained you that you are saved by grace through faith and not by works so that no one should boast, but yet you still think that you can earn God's favor through your own godliness or goodness or outward behavior, then you are a Pharisee. We have to persist, yes, like the persistent widow, for the justice that will come on the day of the Lord, but not in our own self-righteousness. What Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. This tax collector was poor in spirit. He knew his need for God. So yes, we cry out to God. We stand in persevering faith like the persistent widow. Give me justice. Give me justice no matter what happens in the world. But it's not justice based on our own merit. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's how it has to be. Is your faith in Jesus and what he has done? Or are you trying to persist in your own self-righteousness? That's how the parable of the persistent widow and the Pharisee and the tax collector go right back to back together. What God is looking for is persistence and perseverance but not self-righteousness. So the context goes on from here. There's no break in this. Jesus has finished speaking, but this goes right into that people start to bring children and even infants to Jesus that he might lay hands on them and pray for them. And so let's keep going in our context. This is immediately following the parable of the persistent widow, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and the purpose and the point of those two parables. But then it says, now. So this is continuing on. In the same context, Jesus is still there. Now, they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And so do you see, I wanted you to see, I know we covered the become like a child in unit seven, but you see now how the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector leads into becoming like 
a child. The Pharisee was standing there not like a child, not in total dependence upon God, but more as an adult saying, look at how qualified I am to stand with God and enter into the messianic banquet. Look how much better I am than everyone else. Well, no. And as we talked about in Unit 7, children aren't like that. We need to become like little children if we are going to be the ones who receive the kingdom of God. That's what it means to persevere and endure until the end to be saved. We are all going to be put in a position where we need to rely on God for all that we have and all that we need. Because as we talked about, it's going to become very difficult and very challenging, particularly for believers in the end times. But if you want to be someone who receives the kingdom of God and goes all the way into the messianic banquet, then you must become like a little child. And this fits in with the parable of the persistent widow, because what did we say? Widows are the ones who have no other means of support. They are totally vulnerable. So the widow and becoming like a child is basically a very similar or the same description. You have to put yourself in the position of being like the widow who is calling out to the judge as your only hope, like the tax collector who is calling out to God as your only hope, not hope in your own deserving of it, but to God as your only hope in his mercy and forgiveness and pardon and grace for you. That's how all of these fit together in the Luke context. And it goes on from there, as we talked about in Unit 7, become like a child, and then the rich young ruler are always back to back. They go hand in hand because there's something also about the rich young ruler that he was not able to become like a child. He said, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he said, no one is good except God alone. Do you see it? Even Jesus would not allow himself to be called a good person. Even Jesus humbled himself like the tax collector before his father, God. Being God himself, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. He did not exalt himself. He lowered himself and took on the form of a servant, not even allowing himself, even though he is the perfect one and the only one who is good. He did not allow anyone to say that he was good. He said, no one is good except God alone. And when the rich young ruler asked what he had to do to inherit eternal life, what he had to do to make it into the world to come, the wedding banquet, the subject that is on the table, the conversation that's going on right now, what do I have to do to get in to where I want to go? Well, Jesus pointed him to the law as we discussed. And he said, yep, I've got that. I've been doing all of that. So the rich young ruler, did he respond like the Pharisee or did he respond like the tax collector? He responded like the Pharisee. He responded like, oh, yes, I've kept all of those. I've done all of those things. I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't committed adultery. I don't covet anyone's goods. I keep all of the commandments. And so he responded like the Pharisee and not the tax collector. So Jesus then put it back to him and said, one thing you lack. 
Now, what is that one thing? Could it be humility? Could it be dependence on God? Could it be that he didn't know how to become like a child? And so Jesus said, sell all you have, give to the poor, and then you will have treasure for yourself in heaven. So that's step one. That's how you lay up your treasure in heaven rather than accumulating treasure for yourself on earth. And then come follow me. Essentially, he was saying, go get yourself in a position of being completely and totally dependent on God like a little child, and then follow me. And of course, Jesus knew that he was headed to the cross. He knew that he was living in total dependence like a child, completely reliant on God for everything that he needed. And he was telling the rich young ruler, if you want to enter into eternal life, then you also have to become dependent like a little child, like the tax collector, not meriting anything in your own sight, but relying upon God's mercy, relying upon God's provision relying upon and being directed by God in all of the steps that you take in your life. And of course, after the rich young ruler, he talks about how it's difficult for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that. Yes, it's difficult for those who rely on their own righteousness. It's difficult for those who rely on their own strength, their own abilities, their own resources, the treasure that they have laid up for themselves that they think is their security. It is possible, but it is as difficult as a camel going through the eye of a needle. And I know we talked about this in Unit 7, but I'm trying to pull the pieces together so that you see the way that Luke is presenting these side by side in context so that different elements are pulled out and you get a just a slightly different flavor of what we talked about in Unit 7 because they all go together. And after this, Jesus goes on to talk about how he is going to suffer and die and be rejected by this generation. This is the third time that he is foretelling his death. He knows that he has become like a child. He knows that he is putting himself in a position of needing the mercy of God and the power of God and the provision of God because he's going all the way through death into the grave. And he was fully reliant and dependent on God, raising him from the dead on the third day. But his disciples, because they were still so worldly-minded, more like the Pharisee than like the tax collector, that they didn't understand what Jesus was trying to tell them, because they still thought about Messiah in terms of exaltation in this world, rather than humbling themselves in this world, even unto death on a cross for resurrection and eternal life with God forever. So let's just quickly look. This is Luke 18, starting with verse 31. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he said. 
So Jesus spoke in parables, but when he was speaking about his death, he was no longer speaking in parables. He was speaking literally, that he was going to obey God like a child obeying their father, and he would be in a position of ultimate dependence on God, even as he went to the cross and trusted God to raise him from the dead. So he is our example. That's the bigger picture of this context, pulling together that Jesus is answering the Pharisees, tells the parable of the persistent widow, tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, tells people that they have to become like a little child, has his discourse with the rich ruler and says that it's difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, but with God, all things are possible. Here's the deal. The end times are upon us and they are coming upon the face of the whole world. And it will be a time of tribulation in all nations and all nations will hate those who are truly following Jesus. And it will be like the days of Noah and like the days of Lot. Believers in those days who cry out to God as their only source of justice will be heard and will be vindicated as long as they persist and persevere until the end. Those who endure to the end will be saved. But those who justify themselves through their own conduct, their own self-righteousness, their own thinking that they deserve it because of their own merits, they will not enter into the kingdom of God. Only those who rely on God's mercy. So yes, persist, persevere, but not on your own merits. Become like a little child in absolute dependence on God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will receive the kingdom of of heaven, not because you deserve it, but because of your faith in what Jesus has done for you. He showed the example, being willing to obey God even unto death. He loved his own even right up to the end. He persevered in everything that God commanded him to do, even unto death. And he's looking for followers who will do the same. Total reliance upon God, believing God for the ultimate resurrection, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and the world to come, dwelling with God forever.